and we're live college football week one we're gonna do some predictions yeah and week zero yeah i was gonna say are there any first of all are there any week zero predictions or anything to talk about yeah there's one big one you got navy and notre dame they're playing in ireland which is interesting yeah Uh, someone may have more luck over there well yeah i don't wonder who the locals will pull for the midshipmen are the Irish. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> I that game was interesting to me because Sam Hartman, who was the Wake Forest quarterback for so many years and is really good, now plays for Notre Dame. And I just kind of want to see how he does. I think he's going to light it up. I think Notre Dame's a dark horse candidate for the playoffs this year. Not a lot of people are talking about him, but they're going to be good. Yeah, but you could say they're a dark horse candidate regardless. I mean, I agree. Yeah, it is Notre Dame, so, it, I mean, it's a little bit hard to call them a dark horse, but a lot of times people give them the overrated moniker, but they're, and sometimes people bust their schedule, but this year they've got games against Clemson, Ohio State, and Southern Cal, who will probably all be picked to win their conference or in the conference championships. If Notre Dame gets through all of that, obviously, no question, they deserve to be in. We've got also that, uh, the week zero, San Jose State and Southern Cal, USC. Yeah, no, there's another quarterback. Um, Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy last year, and he's got a chance to repeat with that. So his campaign will get started you know, right there for San Jose State. And then Florida, Utah, is that Thursday leading into the Saturday? But, I mean, that's kind of in between the week zero and week one. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, number 14, Utah, and unranked Florida – who do you have there? I'm going to say Utah. Utah is the one team in the Pac-12, rest in peace, that has defense. And so I think that they're going to give Florida a lot of trouble. Florida got smashed in their bowl game by a Pac-12 team last year to end the year. And I don't know. The jury's out on Napier as a coach. We'll see what happens if they can pull it together. But I think they're taking a loss to start the season. Wow. Okay. I mean, Florida obviously could win. They seem to have – they kind of have pulled a Texas the last couple of years. <laughs> they've beat teams they maybe shouldn't have, and then they've lost the ones that they shouldn't shouldn't have. So Yeah, they. I mean, they could win that game, but it is in Utah. And like I said, Utah plays the most physical style of football out west. So I want to say Utah wins. The next uh, – starting off September 2nd, Arkansas State, Oklahoma – Oklahoma, quote, should win. They had a pretty bad year last year. But Arkansas State's a small school, I'm guessing. Yeah, the Red Wolves, I think. And they're sometimes good. Um, I think they're a Sunbelt team. And the Sunbelt is known for beating big programs. But I'm still going to go with Venables in year two. Their defense will be a lot better, I think. And Oklahoma will win. Their program's bound to be better just in general this year. I mean, how could they not be? Well, because when um, their coach left for Southern Cal the other year, a bunch of players went with him, and they kind of had a dip that they're trying to refill. But I think they'll be back. Virginia, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee wins that except for Miracle. (laughs) Poor Virginia. I mean, that's not going to be a good look. If that was a baseball matchup, that would be pretty good. But this is football, and uh, Virginia's going to get totally steamrolled. (laughs) It's going to be bad. They, one interesting point with Virginia, though, they do have a player back, 
some players got shot last year, and their running back survived the shooting. Some of the other guys didn't. And so it'll be an interesting story to watch this year if that guy has a, a good season. I think he might. But Virginia overall, I just don't see their offense being able to put up very many points. And a team like Tennessee, you're going to have to put up a lot of points. They're going to get smashed. Utah State, Iowa. Obviously, I pick Iowa. Um, I don't know anything about Utah State. Iowa, I think, is finally giving the reins of the play calling over. Um, for the last couple of years, they've had a very good defense, but they win games like 9-3. to three. <laughs> So they, they're having a lot of trouble putting up Darn. points. I mean, like a lot of trouble putting up points. But they still manage to have winning records just on all defense. East Carolina, Michigan. I mean, obviously got to go with Michigan. Everyone kind of reminisces of when they blew it to Appalachian State. <laughs> right. So that so, would be hilarious as a lot of people are picking Michigan to go back to the playoff. Um, I will pick Michigan as well, but East Carolina might have a little bit more for them than they expect. That could still be a, a game at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. First quarter, especially. Yeah. Colorado TCU. <laughs> Apparently, Colorado's really fallen off because I just haven't seen a whole lot of, of them. Well, yeah, they've had like one win seasons the last two years, but in the offseason, they uh, hired yeah, Deion, Deion Sanders. Right. <laughs> so that's a big controversial <laughs> so, thing. A lot of people will watch that game. Yes, it's controversial because he basically told like 30 or 40 players to get lost from the team and took a bunch of transfer portal guys in to totally revamp the team. So right. I don't know if that's going to be go down as being great or if he's going to be a big villain for it, but we get to find out. Start it. You said TCU game one? Uh, Colorado TCU. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's not going to go well for Colorado. That's <laughs> a noon game. I assume we've got East Coast time on this. But. Yeah. Um, I can tell you. So, probably all games are East Coast. So it's probably 11 o'clock. Mercer, Mississippi, which would be Old Miss. Yeah. Well, Old Miss will win that. Lane Kiffin, he'll he'll dial it up. They'll put up a lot of points. Portland State, Oregon. Oregon wins that. Buffalo, Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins that. Rice, Texas. Texas wins that, or else I cease being a Texas fan. Texas will win that. Tennessee State, Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame, no problem. Ohio State, Indiana. Ohio State, no problem. I think they'll steamroll Indiana. I really do. Almost as easy as Rice versus Texas. Boise State, Washington. They're they're talking about a 10th-ranked Washington. Now, that will be interesting because, as we all know, Boise State is probably the best team consistently out of the Mountain West. And Washington is supposed to be pretty decent this year. Looks like they're at Washington, so they're not on the blue field. Thank goodness. The I just don't like watching games with the blue field. It makes me pull against Boise. But um, they have a left-handed quarterback named Michael Penix at Washington, and he can really spin it, even though it looks weird coming out of his hand with the opposite spin. And uh, their offense should be pretty high-powered. Tennessee Martin, Georgia. That's just the first game of Georgia's cupcake year. And, you know, they don't always have a cupcake season, but this year you look through their whole schedule, you'll see. So one thing in their defense, they did originally have Oklahoma on the schedule, and then for some reason that game didn't materialize. But despite that, their schedule, not only is it 
very easy. Part of it is where the games are being played, mostly at home, and when they are being played. So if they have a tough opponent, they either have a bye week or a, a pretty easy cupcake ahead of them. Nevada, USC. So Southern Cal, who was in week zero, is also in week one. And they should steamroll Nevada. That's not UNLV, by the way. That's Nevada proper, whatever. <laughs> the Wolves. Yeah. They'll, they'll get beat bad. That's, SEMO, yeah. who I've never heard of, I don't, versus Kansas State. Where are you getting these games? I need to I need to give the list. <laughs> well, these are September the 2nd games here, Bill. Okay. Well. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, you know, hoping to get. If, per- I mean, I, you know, if you want to go over all of them, we can. <laughs> Uh, New Mexico, Texas A&M, Look, that's obvious. We missed some what? games. We missed an important, some important games earlier. Louisville and Georgia Tech are opening the year on Friday, September 1st. And that's a tough one for me to call. What do you think? <laughs> Louisville, Georgia Tech? They both have new coaches. Yeah. Um, overall, Georgia Tech... Okay. Because, I, I mean, it seemed like they had a good quarterback last year, except no. their backup was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Who do they have this year? Who knows? Somebody different. That guy, honestly, y'all, if you didn't see the end of, I think it was Virginia, Georgia Tech last year, if you want to see the worst quarterback play, seriously, in Division One football that maybe has ever occurred, go watch that game. Georgia Tech's starter gets hurt. Yeah, that backup played really bad, and then just icing bad. on the cake, they had one last chance to, I don't know, potentially their, tie their or win. Their defense and special teams just kept giving them chances, kept giving them chances. That is true. <laughs> anyway, last play of the game, there's like three seconds left. He kind of putzes around in the backfield and just runs out of bounds. Yeah, doesn't even launch it downfield. Nothing. Mm-mm. <laughs> Crazy. West Virginia, Penn State. Ooh, Okay. The team that I I don't care what the metrics say, the team that may have the hardest schedule this year is West Virginia. And it's because the Big 12 this year still has Texas and Oklahoma, but they've already added the additional teams to backfill for when they leave. So they're playing an extra regular season game in conference. And West Virginia not only has that extra game, they also, out of conference, are playing Penn State and Pittsburgh. So... Their schedule's totally smashed, and, you know, that's going to be very tough for West Virginia. I don't think they get by Penn State. It's going to have a hard year. (laughs) Uh, Middle Tennessee, Alabama, we know how that goes. Kind of fair, though. Alabama plays Middle Tennessee, Texas plays Rice, and they both play each other the following week. Yeah, that'll be the biggest game of week two for sure. I want to call a timeout because also that first Friday, September 1st, Miami of Ohio and Miami, Florida are playing, and, I think that whoever loses has to go by the other Miami for the year, even if it's Miami, Florida. Okay, that's fair. Um, the Probably the big one on the sports radar here in the Carolinas, North Carolina versus South Carolina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? Playing it should be, shot. quote, should be a really close game. I mean, obviously it could be a blown out, blowout, but it is a really hard one to pick. I think it'll be close. This is a game that I wish got played regularly, kind of like I wish Clemson played Georgia regularly. We do try to play each other pretty regularly, but I think North and South Carolina ought to play. You've got the proximity. You've got what should be pretty good football games every year. The two schools should play a lot. So I'm glad they're playing this year, and I think this game's going to be very interesting. You've got the the long 
traditional coach, Mac Brown, who's got a national title, one of only five active coaches with a national title. Okay. And he's done a lot at North Carolina. He's practically brought them back, but they've just lost a few games here and there that kept them out of the dance. They're close. I mean, they played for the ACC championship last year. And then you've got the new coach in Shane Beamer at South Carolina, who's a lot of enthusiasm. And the whole culture down there is behind him. They've got a little hint of success after a long drought, and they're excited about it. Well, and he's got the family lineage, I mean, being Frank Beamer's son. And so, uh, you know, he it's looking like it was a great hire. And, you know, South Carolina is very excited about their trajectory. Both so, quarterbacks are coming back. Both really good quarterbacks are, are you know, in the mix again this year. So, that, yeah, that's you, a crazy you game. Got, um, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina who um, can put up big yardage. Sometimes he doesn't, but he certainly is capable of it. And then you've got Drake May at North Carolina, who is consistently awesome. Yeah, he over 4,000 yards passing last year, only seven interceptions to like 37, 38 touchdowns, something like that. I mean, really crazy stats. On paper, and just even strictly based on ranking, North Carolina wins that game. I, Rob, am going with South Carolina. Well, Rob, it's okay to be wrong. Uh, sometimes I uh, know I don't. I, I'm going to go with North Carolina, and here's here's I'll give you my misgiving first. Even though I'm going to go to North Carolina, and you may say, "Well, I'm a biased Clemson uh, graduate," but yeah, that's true. But anyway, the my misgiving is that North Carolina's defensive line was horrible last year. Horrible. They they looked like a wet paper towel. <laughs> they just couldn't stop anything. I think, you know, if South Carolina had their running back coming back, if he had not entered the transfer portal, I think that would give North Carolina a ton of trouble. I don't know what South Carolina is going to have in the running game this year. I do know North Carolina's quarterback and tight ends are very good, and I think that North Carolina puts up points to get it done. But I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think, you know, it's the primetime ABC you know, Saturday night game that week, and it should be. It's going to be a good game. Shout out, Butch, uh, Carolina fan. <laughs> I wish he was here because he could give us an analysis based on your, like, I don't know what they have for running back. Well, he would know. Yeah, well, it'll be an unknown commodity, whoever it is. I'm not sure who it'll be, but it's not going to be the guy from last year. Unknown commodity. <laughs> There's your props, running back guy, <laughs> fullback guy. I don't know. Mr. Mr. Not Mr. Football, but Mr. Unknown. Yeah. Hey. You could become Mr. Football, possibly. Good. A lot of this stuff, you know, I'm just rallying off the top of my head about a lot of teams, but I don't know all the players on all the teams. <laughs> well, I probably know less, but <laughs> I do know that both of those teams have a capable quarterback. That's the thing. Right. should be good. It'll be entertaining. Man, I, like I say, I spent, spent a little time there talking about that because that's the game here that people are going to be focused on. Sure. Um, there's a couple other big games, too, I guess we're going to get to. but LSU-Florida State. Okay, we can talk about that. That's a biggie. Okay, last year that game was wild, wild. You know, Florida State seemed to have it in the bag coming down the stretch, and then they LSU got the ball back. I think, I don't remember if Florida State turned it over or had to punt. I think it might have been a turnover. 
when they basically were going to run the clock out. And I watched it, but I don't remember right. how it went down. I do know that it was, quote, crazy. Yeah. Well, here's what happened. However, yes. LSU got the ball back in some crazy way. They then had to drive the field for a touchdown, which they did as time ran out. Then Florida State blocked the extra point for the win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. everyone seems to forget that. I mean, I've seen all the national outlets. Everyone's picking LSU. And, you know, I'm like, I, you know, Florida State won that game last year in New Orleans. They're playing this year in Orlando. Both are neutral site. But. That game became a bit of a shootout, and Florida State still has that, quote, explosive offense, so they could still get right back in it. Just Florida State has a six foot seven wide receiver who is athletic, not a clunky six foot seven, and that's going to be hard for everyone to defend. Their quarterback is very elusive. Jordan Travis, another great quarterback. I think the ACC is loaded with quarterbacks this year. And Jordan Travis is another good one. And that is going to be another great game. That's actually Sunday night of that opening weekend. And I'm looking for another fantastic game. I'm going to say Florida State again. I don't see why they couldn't do it a second time. I will pick them as well. Uh, South Alabama, Tulane. No, Tulane's actually ranked. Yeah, number 20, 24 Tulane. Right. Go they won their bowl game. <laughs> Go right? They, they beat, beat Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl last yeah. year. <laughs> That was kind of so, a fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. That that was another crazy like ending to the game. Tulane had to score and get a two-point conversion and stop Southern Cal. They, you know, it was some kind of wild ending. The the Heisman Trophy winner from Southern Cal still threw for like 400 plus yards, but somehow Tulane won the game. <laughs> so props to props to Tulane. Definitely. Oregon State, San Jose State. Well, that's interesting because Oregon State now has DJ Uyunglele, and <laughs> you know, he, wow, yeah, I mean, and they're ranked number eighteen, but with him at the helm, <laughs> we'll see about that. They better have the right style of offense for him because if it involves quick decision making, he is not the right guy. And scrambling, like but. he can get up some speed, and he has a weird clunky juke move, but it's. It got to hit just right to work. He mainly his first two steps. He gets slow. Caught. His his first two steps are so slow. And if he can finally get going past that, yeah, he can cover some ground. But man, those are some slow steps. And I, he needs to be in an offense that creates a pocket that has a designed route that he already pre-play knows where he's going to throw it. And he needs to be able to stand back there and fire it. And if he can do that, I think he can be successful. But if it's like Clemson's offense, which is predicated on. We're calling two or three plays at once. You have to think about which one, based on what the defense gives you, we're supposed well, to run. We had a pretty simple That's, offense with him, but at the same time, he still kept screwing it up. And maybe if it was designed better, he would have done better. But all I know is those games were tough to watch, boring to watch. Even the wins were super boring because there was nothing electric about it, and I just couldn't stand it. I watched Texas more, which is my other team. I like defense, so I was still cool with it, but I wish their offense would have done better. I guess the late game, well, not the really late game, but Clemson-Duke is 8 p.m. That is on Monday. That's the only game, uh, Labor Day, Monday. And that is actually a trap. So most Duke doesn't get a lot of coverage uh, on primetime and all that. So most people don't realize they won eight games in the regular season last year, then played um, Central Florida with Gus Malzahn in the bowl and beat them too. And so Duke had nine wins last year. Uh, and 
They're returning a good quarterback as well, a dual-threat guy. If you asked me to name one team that Gus Malzahn had coached, my only answer would have been Auburn. Is that right. correct? That is right. And I wouldn't have even known where he was at now. Well, he's, he's at Central Florida, and they are going to be um, in the Big 12 this year. And anyway, the uh, but Duke presents a pretty good offense. They're returning eight guys on offense and defense, I believe. So Clemson is going to have a challenge, and I'm not going to freak out and be worried as a Clemson fan if that's still a close game at halftime because I think Duke's pretty good and we're on the road. Um, I do expect Clemson to win the game. They'd have to have some mistakes to lose. Right. Fumbles and such. Fumbles, missed field goals, any of that kind of stuff, you know, could – yeah, Duke's good enough to beat you. If you if you're a team like Clemson, and you go in there and make mistakes like that, you can lose that game. So, you know, is it at Duke or is it a neutral at Duke, um, which has a tiny stadium, maybe like forty thousand people or something. There's no upper deck. It's still a lot of people. It's probably pretty loud. I don't know. Sometimes those small or it's areas a weird trap one. the. Sound. Yeah, this one has a big open end zone that doesn't have anything mm, in it, okay. so it's a it's an unusual stadium, but. Hopefully there'll be a lot of Clemson fans there. It's not, you know, it's about a four-hour drive. Since we're still in the ACC, thankfully, and not the Big Ten, which I would never want to be in, so the closest games would be like Maryland and uh, Ohio State. That'd be the close games? Yeah, right. Oh, boy. So who did I miss on that week one lineup there? Um, Bill has a more comprehensive list. Well, let's see. You know, Texas Tech is at Wyoming. I think it's interesting they're on the road to Wyoming. Wyoming's where Josh Allen played uh, of Buffalo Bills fame now. Rackham Tech. That could could be a a pretty interesting matchup. By the way, uh, I went to a Longhorns game when, you know, Texas Tech came to town. And Texas Tech was pretty good that year. Um, It was when they had, like, Michael Crabtree as a receiver and stuff. And, um, man, those Tech fans are rednecks and – really loud and wouldn't shut up as they lost. <laughs> Texas Tech is known, even here in South Carolina, as, as probably the redneck school of the Big 12. So, yeah, well, there's well, also they, West Virginia. They so. certainly weren't polite. <laughs> um, uh, luckily, Texas won that game. Texas would have won the national championship that year, but they lost to Alabama when Colt McCoy went out. The backup, what was that guy's name? Nobody knows. He was highly touted, but really sucky in reality. It wasn't Apple White, was it? No. Oh. It, it seems like his name started with an O. Super forgettable, but it was his performance wasn't forgettable. <laughs> He's just, here comes the defender, throws the ball to them, and stuff like that. And it was literally that bad. And yet, at the very end of the game, maybe three minutes left, Texas had the ball with a chance to like go down and score for the lead somehow. I guess the defense kept him in the game, but, you know, there was, like, again, no chance. He uh, couldn't capitalize and get it done uh, there at the end. Another interesting um, early game, this was on Thursday of that first week, Nebraska's at Minnesota, and Nebraska now has Matt Rule, who coached the Carolina Panthers and before that Baylor. And so we'll see if, if he can finally turn Nebraska around. I mean, there's certain teams out there that just haven't gotten back to what they used to be, like Miami and Nebraska and, you know, to some extent Texas. Um, and and so will they be able to do it? I don't know. But 
and that was Texas's start to their big skid. I mean, they fell off a cliff. First couple years after that, they went like eight and three under Mac Brown, and then Texas is like, well, that's not good enough. Fire the coach; he's gone. Uh, then they bring in some terrible coaches and go much, <laughs> do a lot worse than eight and three. <laughs> that's classic. I mean, Tennessee did that and got rid of Fulmer, and then they were just awful for a long time until till recently. Um, you know, even Maryland did that to Ralph Friedgen. They, they Maryland was like an eight-win team under Friedgen. And then they got rid of him and languish around at like five or six wins now. You know. It can happen. Yeah. That's one thing about Clemson. I had some gripes with Dabo last year for sure. But if I want to look at a bigger picture of how long they've been relevant, okay, I give it to him. He's had a pretty pretty long-standing run there. Twelve years in a row of ten wins or more. That's crazy. (laughs) That's a crazy stat. So it's it's – yeah, <laughs> you know, even if he messes up, sometimes you can't. You know. You, yeah, I can't totally just say, "Well, yeah. his days are over. We need someone new." <laughs> right, right. Um, let's see if there's a couple other interesting ones early on. Um, We're definitely getting near the end of the old, list. Old Dominion and Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech, their offense, it's about as bad as Virginia's. I don't know what's going on. They do have that kid from Powdersville. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. he said he would come on our show, by the way, but we missed him by maybe three days. He's like, oh, I'm already enrolled and on the campus. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, if it's not against the rules when you're in town, let us know. Old Dominion is a team that um, is tough. So I don't know. I, th- I mean, I think Virginia Tech will win. It'd probably be a low-scoring, like, 17-14 kind of game. And then our Coastal Carolina uh, Chanticleers have to go all the way across the country to play at UCLA on a 10.30 p.m. kickoff. <laughs> that's going to be tough. Tough to win. <laughs> that's going to be tough. They've had a, quote, better team the last couple of years. I mean, oh, they've been, been nationally ranked. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, traditionally, compared to what they used to do, they've kind of come on strong. By the way, they did win the college baseball championship a few years ago. Yeah, they did. Against the whole everybody. Thing, right, the whole thing, yeah, yeah. So, well, they're another Sunbelt team that you got to look out for, but I think it's going to be hard to go literally across the whole country and play a UCLA team that's pretty good. Yeah, they pretty much, Coastal Carolina can't win that, but what right. if they do? I hope they do. Yeah, that'd be I great. just would be pretty uh, surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I'd be also be surprised if I'm up that late watching. But then again, strangers. well, it's nice to have those late games, and then you can just kind of fall asleep to them. Okay. After a day full of football, it's it's good to live on the East Coast. Although on the West Coast, as soon as you wake up, it's already on. <laughs> when I lived in Vegas, I would just turn on HGTV and fall asleep to whatever they were house hunting or whatever, which was generally pretty good to fall asleep to because it didn't have too much um action scenes in the audio or whatever it was kind of stale audio yeah um but carrie last said last night she fell asleep to uh youtubes on how to make flower arrangements or something and that was the first i'd ever heard of anybody doing that well i don't know how exciting videos about flower arranging are but you know, Todd's got some, I think it's brown noise that he listens to. Um, Robert. What? 
You can't talk about brown noise. Um, it's not like... That's, how about white noise? Um, what, I don't know what other colors noise there are. That's the truth. I've actually never heard of brown noise. Yeah. I, I've heard of brown nose when you're trying to kiss up to the boss. Brown nosing, yes. I know a guy that did that at the hospital and it worked out for him. Um, yeah. There's uh It pretty much eliminated... White. I've heard of white knuckle, <clears throat> like when you hold something tight. Yeah. So what else you got before we round it up here? Football related? Yeah, anything? Well, they let David Pollock go from uh, game day... He's the former Georgia linebacker who had an amazing play against South Carolina one year in his playing days. I heard rumor that he was hoping to maybe coach at Georgia or Clemson. I saw ESPN was trying to get trendy and bring on like once a week certain oh. celebs, one of which being Little Wayne. But then I saw that it was someone else too. I can't remember. Well, who. they do bring on a guest picker every week for the show. But I will. I do want to maybe a whole other segment, but I do want to talk about the conferences and how all this crazy realignment's going on. Mm-hmm. Because this is our last season with the Pac-12, and we're moving to gigantic conferences as most of the Pac-12 is going to either the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. Well, it's odd how big the SEC is getting to me. Yeah, well, they're adding two from the Big Twelve, so the. That puts the SEC at... You'd have to look it up, or I would. 16? Okay. Maybe. A lot. Yeah. And the Big Ten is going to be at 18. Good law. And I don't know, the Big 12 is going to have a lot as well, because they're getting four schools, I think, from the Pac-12. Plus, they just brought in Brigham Young, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati this year. So they're about to pick up eight teams they're losing two so they're going net six uh plus whoever's already in there i don't know i take my shoes off when are we you know when are we going to a 16 playoff or is it where we skipping Um, out going to eight now we're going to 12 next year okay this year is the final year for four when they originally announced that playoff system it was going to go to six then maybe eight but i guess they're just going straight to 12. they're going to 12. from what you're saying there right so the top four team top four ranked teams will get a bye and then the other eight teams will play and you get four winners to play the four buys by the way i think new rules this year they're not stopping the clock on a first down game that is correct uh except for the last two minutes of each half and that's dumb you know it's been it, a staple of college football forever. Right. It, well, the games are too long. No one complains about the actual game being too long. The commercials might be too long, but the game is not too long. So I think that's a ridiculous change, but they did do it. The one rule, hey, I'm going to go a soapbox real quick. I already know what you're going to say. Yes, you do. Targeting. Targeting. The one rule that needs to be changed is targeting. Targeting does not need to have an automatic ejection unless the referee calls it with intent with you know unnecessary roughness there there should be an incidental target kind of like the old incidental face mask that is like a 10 yard penalty and no ejection yeah incidental face mask was five yards wasn't it yeah yeah and then 15 if you really meant business and right that's exactly how targeting should be i mean you can still have the ejection if you you know the lsu florida state game last year a player came from LSU and absolutely launched himself into the Florida State quarterback after he had released the ball. 
obvious example of when the ejection should happen. Isn't there something in basketball like that? Like a yes. Um, yes. Flagrant, flagrant versus just right. a technical. Mm-hmm. Right. There is. And if they can have it there, you know, Bill Parcells said, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it, talking about unnecessary roughness. And that's just how you should call it. You know, I totally agree. Never you called get- from the booth like they did against Skowski in the uh, Sugar Bowl one year against Ohio State. You should call it on the field or it doesn't get called. Yeah, and you get such objective or uh, subjective you get the opinion in there when when the ref throws that flag and then they review it. It's still like it could go either way. Football happens I, so fast, and if you're a defender trying to tackle a wide open target, you know you're going to sometimes hit heads, and it's just going to be an accident. And you got to rush in and hit hard. Yeah, you got to hit hard. And that's right. the thing. When I went to Clemson for one semester that I was there, and I was playing tackle football out on Bowman, it was a big jacked guy and nobody could bring him down because everybody was chicken i brought him down like it was nothing but i you know really lowered the boom on him because you had to like hit him with everything you got instead of kind of think oh no i'm gonna not quite knock him over and then you just get pummeled so yeah you got to you got to give it well it's played hard and it's played fast and then when they slow the replay down you're watching it at one tenth of normal speed well of course it looks different but so, it's yeah, not, if you launch at their head trying to knock their head off, then right. th- we could keep the targeting and j- eject you and all that. But if it's accidental, I don't like the player getting ejected from the game. No, you can still, if you're trying to keep it out of the game, you can still have it as a penalty, but just the ejection has got to go away. That is too game-altering. You know, at that point in oh, the Ohio State game, mm, Clemson mm-hmm. was missing their starting safety because of a targeting call against Notre Dame the previous game, and then now they were missing their starting linebacker. And, and that was pretty much the nail in the coffin because yeah. we were still in the game at that point. It was a seven-point ball game, 21-14 at the time of the ejection. So, yeah. yeah. And Clemson was about to get the ball back, but instead it was a first down for Ohio State. So, yeah, rather than <laughs> not – I'm not complaining – about that game and just tore up about that. I watch teams that I have Any I don't even cheer for and I'm like, wow, you know, that shouldn't have been called and it was and Yeah. Any bad call. Because uh, to reverse a call in the field, then they have to be, you know, absolutely sure that it didn't happen. A lot of times they just let it go through and then the players ejected. So I totally yep. agree. But apparently there's more rule changes than the first down clock. And I'm personally just going to see what those are. I'm not going to look into it. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, um, on the conference realignment, I can give you the whole breakdown on it. The I think the reason it started is because the NCAA had been shown to be pretty weak on making decisions about, like, NIL, transfer portal, etc. Hold on. Okay. So, for those listeners that just really love the audio we're gonna go a little longer and let bill talk about the conference realignments yeah this you can but yes texas left the big 12 i think because they were worried about who would have the the bargaining power within the ncaa which may be abolished and so they wanted to get in with the sec just to cover their bases i think so originally people usually think oh Teams leave because of money, but money. 
money was not an issue for Texas and it has never been. Then you've got um, the other argument is traditionally, well, we can't make the playoff from this league, but Oklahoma made the playoff quite a bit. Yeah, a good bit. So that's not the reason either. So it had to be some other reason. And I think that it was because, yeah, if the NCAA doesn't have any teeth, then it's going to fall to the conferences to make whatever kind of rules they want to make on when you can practice, when you can transfer, whatever the rules may be. And Texas wants to be at a table that makes the rules. So they agreed to go to the SEC because, you know, it's going to be the SEC or the Big Ten that gets to call the shots. And so that, that though, started to kind of a, a little chink and I think that Southern Cal is another team that kind of felt the same way, and they were looking for a table to be at if everything fell apart. And so they just somehow decided to go to the Big Ten, and they brought UCLA with them, so there would be another California team. And then that really messed up everything because um, the Pac-12's TV contract runs out this year, yeah. and without the L.A. market – there was no no um, bargaining power. No bargaining power, right? So the best offer they got was twenty million per team by Apple to stream their stuff, and they said no to that. And then teams started looking for an out. And so at that point, um, Oregon and Washington also are jumping to the Big Ten, and then like the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado, everybody else is going down in the southern parts, going to the Big Twelve. And the Pac-12 is going to be no more after this year, so that's wild. You got four teams that are just still dangling out there that don't have any landing spot yet. They may have to join the Mountain West. I mean, some people have talked about them joining the ACC, which is wild. You know, you got Stanford, California, Oregon State, and Washington State are the four that are just, you know, who knows what they'll do. Okay, personal opinion: this is helping the credibility of some teams, though. Because they are now in conferences that have a, a classically better opponent. Like, I don't know who, but I've just seen, it's like, oh, okay, they'll be playing, and then you list the teams. It's like a higher-tier team. Well, um, no team from west of the Mississippi has won the title since uh, either Texas or Southern Cal did in like 2002 or so. So it's been two decades. Well, Texas did it in 05 and 06. Okay, it's been then in that okay. case, and so, they knocked off Southern Cal, right? Right, and that's on. the that's the last time that like West Coast football was elite. Since then, you've had you know a bunch of Alabama titles, Clemson, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, Auburn. Clemson should have um, beat them that year in the regular season. Yeah, Auburn, and you know those have been your your champs. They've all come, and honestly, those conferences <laughs> play better defense than the West Coast conferences and, you know, for whatever. I don't know why that's the case. Out West, they don't play good defense. You know, the the Eastern ACC, SEC, and Big Ten play much better defense um, and get a champion. Well, if what I said is true and more conferences will have, like, quote, some credibility, then it's probably a good time to go to the 12-team playoff, although I'm not really for the 12-team playoff. But we're, it's going to happen, so... Yeah, so if if it is going to happen, now's probably a good time for it. A couple of other points on conference realignment. Florida State has made it very vocal that they're unhappy with the money that they're getting paid in the ACC media deal 
compared to their brand. And, you know, Clemson's right there with them. Clemson may be more upset than we know, but they're not saying they're that not as vocal publicly. Right. right. So, by the way, I've got two microphones and Bill has one just in case I ever really need to talk over. <laughs> can jump in there. And, yeah. Well, I can talk a lot about football. So, the, so with Clemson and Florida you, State. Yeah, you were talking about Florida yeah, Clemson, State. Clemson, Florida State, and the ACC. So the ACC is locked into a terrible media deal where the, the teams make around $37 million per year to broadcast all of their sports. And um, that is very – goes through what year? 2030? 2036. So that's what I thought. The, the bad thing there, so the SEC and the Big Ten both get paid around $50 million for their broadcast rights. So – you know, the ACC schools are at about a $13 million deficit um, and yet have more titles than the Big Ten over that time period. But anyway, the um, in, in every sport, by the way, football, basketball, and baseball. But, so I don't know what, how the extra money helps. However, Clemson and Florida State are pretty upset about that. The, um, the best thing would be for the ACC to somehow get a, a, a new media contract. I don't know why they idiotically made the one they did for such a length of time where it didn't even account for inflation. There's not like a 2 or 3% per year increase. Right. It's just if, flat that whole time. If they could find a way to renegotiate, it would behoove the conference uh, in terms of maybe the conference will stay together. Well, yeah, and it needs to. I mean, this is getting pretty silly. So, you know, you don't want to have a world that is only the Big Ten and the SEC. That's just dumb. And you can't even play everybody. I mean, you play I, one I, opponent. I tend time. to agree. That's one of the cool things about college football is all the different conferences. Yes. The NFL is so structured the right. way they do it. And in college, the the lack of structure makes it so much more entertaining for some reason. And you've got tradition. I mean, and- what I was saying earlier, it would be dumb for a team like Clemson to travel all the way to Minnesota to play a game when you got like Georgia Tech two hours down the road. Yeah. It's just stupid. So, um, the so there there has been some concession made by the ACC. So the ACC has agreed to unequal revenue sharing starting next year, meaning that if a team brings in extra money by going to the football playoff or to the NCAA basketball tournament those schools will get that money and the schools that didn't make it will not get the money. So there is the possibility the ACC used to just split it all to the whole conference. I was worried about Clemson somehow finding their way out of the ACC and then not play, getting to play Georgia when they're scheduled. When is that next year? Next year, first game. So they ought to still play, but if something funny happens in the offseason, maybe not. So, yeah, I mean, for Clemson, I think joining the Big Ten would be horrible, which some people have wanted to do because of several factors. One, Ohio State would just tell you what to do. (coughs) Yeah, exactly. Ohio State would just tell you what to do in every way possible, and that would stink. Then you've got the fact that the travel, you can't go see your team very often. And I think that... Ultimately, it's going. If Clemson and Florida State joined the Big Ten, it wouldn't help their recruiting as much as it would help Ohio State and Michigan recruit the South, and that would be bad for all of football. Where we're at right now, we mostly can drive to a game. Yeah. You know, if we get off work on Friday and go get a sure. hotel or whatever. Um, I guess what who Syracuse is pretty good bit Syracuse of a hike. Syracuse and Boston College would be kind of hard. <laughs> But um, Boston College be ridiculous, you know, and, and Miami's pretty far as well. But there's some cheap, flight. cheap flights there, yeah. So 
you can get to you can I've driven in a day and driven back to most of the ACC opponents. Um, you know, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, um, NC State. I'd hate to be playing on the West Coast all of a sudden. And then the viewers at home may get caught up in a really late game up till 2.30 a.m. and stuff like that. Right. And and then the other local teams we play, like South Carolina and Georgia, I mean, all that makes sense. So, to me, Clemson's – the Big Ten's a note. The only conferences that Clemson can possibly be in are the ACC or the SEC. There's not another good choice as a Clemson fan. Um, But the best thing that I think could happen – would be for the ACC to, to get Notre Dame in full-time yeah. and renegotiate the TV contract. So Notre Dame's a member of the ACC in every sport except football. So they need to, they need to be brought in. If you have to bring some of their other longtime rivals like Navy – then invite Navy as well. and and You could at least get to the negotiation table via bringing them in. Right. Navy is actually an interesting one because their viewership on an annual basis is somewhere around that of South Carolina's. It's about 900,000 people per game, and that's about 40th in the country for uh, TV viewerships. It's not that bad, actually. Okay. Notre Dame's in, like, number four or five every year. They're one of the most watched teams. Clemson's about number eight or nine. Does seem you know I've lived all over everywhere you live. There's some Ohio State fans. There's some Notre Dame fans. Yep. There's some Pittsburgh Steeler fans. No yeah. matter where yeah. you live, and there's probably some Dallas Cowboy fans. Right, that's true. Well, I, that's why I think the ACC needs a better TV deal, though, because that brings up a good point. They're national brands. North <clears throat> Carolina and all the Jordan stuff is everywhere. Yeah, and Duke too. With basketball, they're Duke, still Duke stuff is everywhere. Still pretty high. Florida there. State stuffs everywhere. Clemson stuffs everywhere. Miami. Clemson's usually pretty good at soccer too. I know not too many people are looking at it, but the, you know the U, for what it's worth, it's everywhere. I mean, you know, so you've got some strong national brands. You've got a bad market deal. They just made a bad deal. Well, um, in closing and slightly off subject but still on subject, what do you have to say about the NFL? Well, I have one other conference realignment thought. Oh, boy. Okay. So they, Share that. They, they think that these new conferences are going to have like a $60 million per year per team deal. I don't think – that that is long-term sustainable. I think that, you know, the $50 million they're getting right now is is a lot. They'll probably get some more with the Big Ten and the SEC, but I don't know that they're going to get to $60 million every year for every team because when you get 18 teams instead of, you know, the Big Ten right now has 14, now you think you're going to go to $60 million and split you're, that with four more, more teams? You're telling me that money well may run dry. Yes. Depending how things go. Yes. And so I think that, you know, it might not stay that way long term. I just don't know if it will or not. And if it does, I think the the ultimate losers are going to be the other sports at small schools. So the the baseball and softball programs and stuff at the Furmans or Walfords or wherever in the world. Because my guess is that when they renegotiate these deals with these bigger conferences that you know Fox or CBS or ESPN or whoever agrees to pay they're going to not want Ohio State to be playing Ball State they're going to want them to play another game against you know Oregon or somebody they they don't want you know so that other game that that cupcake game on everyone's schedule uh-huh. that game is going to go away and those schools hurts the small school they get paid like 400 to a million 400000 to a million. That's sometimes their payday for the whole so, year that at least buys their equipment and well, keeps the Well, it funds all turning. the other programs. Like most football 
programs can be self-sustaining everywhere. They'll bring in enough money to sustain themselves, but to sustain the rest of the athletic department, right. And so this football realignment, whoever the girls' tennis player is right now at at one of these schools isn't thinking about this, but this could be the end of her sport at that school. By the way, doing away with track and field at Clemson, that was idiotic. I guess they brought it back. It is back, and they've got guys who are are national champions and maybe making the Olympics. So stupid, but anyway, another story. Let me hit stop real quick. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, I just want to talk NFL real quick. As that season progresses and things get more interesting, I'll probably have a lot more to say. I'm more of a college football fan, but I do like to watch the NFL here and there, and I particularly like to watch uh, college players to see how they're going to do. A lot of people do that. Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson should be back in full effect this year. Finally, yes. Um, So that could be an interesting is he still with the Browns, or did he get traded or something? He's with the Browns. He'll finally get to play this year. You know, I think the NFL chose the wrong person to make a big big example out of with him when, you know, there's a lot of other guys who have done. Well, I'm not sure the Texans didn't have something to do with that. They had some beef with him or something, and yeah, it just ramped up quick. Uh, At any so. rate, he's getting to play this year finally, yes. Regardless, we don't know all the details on that, yeah, but yeah. – so he'll get to play. That that'll be fun to watch. I, I am looking forward to watching the Jaguars again. I like obviously Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. I think that Doug Peterson's a good coach and a good fit. I think their culture is a fun culture down there now. Well, they're a lot more. Well, that they were about to close down. They had an empty stadium and stuff. About couldn't give away season tickets and stuff. But now they're got a little push behind them. So yeah, okay. good for and them. They're kind of a blue collar town. You know, it, they don't have the money that a Dallas or a New York or whatever kind of market's going to have. It's just sort of a, you know, the Duval County is more of a county situation than a city. And uh, I think that makes them fun to watch. I didn't realize Dallas Fort Worth was bigger than Houston in terms of population until we had our trivia the other day and they, they were higher on the list. Well, you got two cities there. They're both pretty big. Um, I, you know, other NFL thoughts, I haven't really, like, given a ton of thought to the league. I think that the Eagles will still be good. I think that they have a very creative offense. That's Alex's team, for those of that follow our show and know who Alex is. Yes, Pastor Alex likes the Eagles. By the way, watch his trivia episodes. They're pretty entertaining, and we keep it clean on those ones. Whenever he's here, we have a packed... Uh, that will keep it clean. Yep. Um, I know the 49ers have a quarterback controversy. I, You know, I'm a Falcons fan. I don't know how the Falcons are going to be. I bet they're probably about an eight or nine win team. Well, I'm a Falcons fan too. And, you know, they had one chance to win the Super Bowl. We're up by like 19 or 22 maybe in the fourth quarter. Completely blew it. And that was it. <laughs> that was their blip of... Well, they had gone one other time with Michael Vick. They didn't win that one either. Yeah, they lost a lot of momentum when he got busted for dog fighting. Yeah, uh, they had a hard time coming back from that debacle. Yeah, as a team, that's that's true. Him as an individual, but them as a team too. Well, they've got Grady Jarrett, who is one of the best nose guards in the league, who is from Pickens County, and that's pretty cool. You know, played at Clemson, was just a two-star recruit coming out of high school, and now he's been in the NFL for a lot of years, so I, I like to watch him. Bra- um, Braves are doing good this year. Um, you know, so Graham Adcock's played, NFL talk. 
played baseball for the Southern Wesleyan team when they won the, their national championship, and the Braves uh, couldn't get him because he decided to be a family man, which we highlight in another episode as well. <laughs> so that's it for now. We'll uh, we'll be back. It'd be interesting to see the results from week one, which we'll really have a lot more to talk about then. Because well, I'm curious to see how the Steelers do. For um, you know, you got the quarterback from Pitt who's started there last year and now this will be a second season i think they're behind him pretty big well a lot changes in the nfl but a whole lot seems to change in college year to year well as far as who's the top 10 well here's the thing in the nfl if you got an elite quarterback you've got a chance and if you don't you really don't but there's there has been a real change of the guard just the last couple of years with guys like peyton manning retiring and and tom brady and um, some of that era of, of quarterback, and now you've got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, um, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts, and you know a lot of exciting young new quarterbacks in the league. And these will probably be the ones that the kids of this generation grow up, and you know that'll be like it was with us for like John Elway and Joe Montana, and Dan Marino, and you know those Troy guys. So, yeah, so this is like. I think we're seeing the the beginning of like the new breed, you know, Joe Burrow and all the. Did like, you say Steve Young and Joe Montana? <laughs> no. Yeah, or yeah, did you? Yeah, I said Montana. Oh, okay. Yeah, we yeah when we were kids. So I think you've got this group now that's kind of going to be the league for well, a while, and their teams will be the ones that have a shot. You almost left out QB Eagles. <laughs> Pretty much a baller. Or Randall Cunningham. <laughs> yeah, QB Eagles, right? Uh, there was QB Bills, Jim Kelly. He was pretty good. <laughs> okay. That's on... Tecmo Super Bowl. Tecmo Super Bowl, yes. The greatest football game ever created. I think so. Yes. <laughs> Without a question. I understand there's yeah. better graphics and but things now, but I don't like the There's game not play. as fun of a game as Tecmo Super Bowl. It <laughs> still gets referenced at least once a year in football broadcasts. True. You're not... <laughs> in the newer games, you're not as connected with your player the computer kind of blurs the lines. Like, here's the ball, and you're kind of like, Ugh. and I, I like Tecmo where, <laughs> like, the guy's moving so directly based on what your finger and thumb's doing. It's amazing. With the occasional special <laughs> boost of energy that does let them jump and catch a ball or whatever. But so many times, it, it, like when you're running the ball, scrambling, it is an exact. Whatever your thumb is doing, that's what the player's doing. It is amazing that that game had so much detail. We're talking the original NES, like the Super Mario Brothers Gray Box NES. And if you've ever played Tecmo Bowl, which was like the predecessor, yeah, it was a good. lot clunkier. Yeah. It was nowhere as well um, polished. As Tecmo Super Bowl, somehow, you could see on that little graphic, if the guy was like, you know, hitting hard or tripping or kind of moving around, I don't know, like somehow the subtlety in that game, I, I don't, it's... It feels more like you're playing football. So if you've ever played football and then you're playing that game, it makes sense. Yeah, that's wild to say, but yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's a great game. It's still an all-time great game. Right. We stumbled upon it because I saw it at Toys R Us in a end cap display case with the guys like... You could see his big helmet in his face. I don't know mm-hmm. who it was. It was just like some giant lineman or something. Just a you know, yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, we were both playing football at the time, and I was like, we got to get that game. 
Robert asked for it for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Hey, even back then it was a fifty dollar game. Fifty dollars, yeah. That's expensive. The man. whole Nintendo was a hundred. Uh, this is in like nineteen ninety one. That came with, okay. that came with Mario, <laughs> Duck Hunt, the gun, two controllers. A hundred yeah. would get you everything. Yeah. But the game was fifty. Yeah, nineteen nineteen ninety one price, fifty dollars. But we, so we played the heck out of that. How old? About nine years old or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well. First or second grade, but enough to know to look at the game and say I wanted it. Yeah, we did play that a lot. And it kept stats on every player, which was crazy at that time. Health was, you know, affected how they were playing. <laughs> right. They could get completely injured where they couldn't play. Uh-huh. The little breakaway on. scenes that happened in the game, too, are very cool. Like, Yep. Uh, all right, until next time. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, uh, write, uh, write in if you know our email. If not, comment on Facebook. That'll get to us. I don't know your email. <laughs> hey, there's one here. You know, if you want to write the awards, um, people. Titahi. Titahi Awards. About as prestigious as you get. I expect that Rob and Todd will win one this year. So, anyway, it's highly digital studios at gmail.com. That's our primary email. But uh, comment on Facebook. I've That's got the quickest way to get to us. Watch them. Is that okay? Uh, by the way, <laughs> doesn't bother me. By the way, do not me- direct message us on Facebook. You can. But it's going to get lost in a sea of, I guess, spam or something. I've never seen so many messages that you just can't really sort through. And I'm like, someone in here is actually trying to communicate with us, but it's so hard to tell who. I mean, huh. it is a sea of spam on our uh, direct me- on Messenger. Nothing like my personal account. The Rob and Todd account, account is totally blown up on Messenger. It's just message after message after message. And there's no way to go through them. And most of them are, I guess they're spam. Into the For those that aren't spam, drop a comment on a post. That's going to get to us a lot quicker. Well, did you ever get your money from that Nigerian prince? Good night, everybody.